Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I want to speak on a subject today, and I've prayed this morning specifically that God's spirit, God's revelation would be in this place. I believe the Lord wants some people in this room to know today, uh, very specifically, uh, some things in his word. And uh, I want to speak on this subject this morning, God's way, God's way. I don't know if this statement I'm about to make is going to make you respect me anymore. Actually, I anticipate that I might lose some credibility. But I love Burger King. <laughs> to all my BK people, where are you at? I'm not ashamed of my game. All right? So, all right, I like a little fast food here and there, and Burger King, yeah, go ahead and be dismissed if you'd like. Um, I, you know, I thank God for the Whopper. I just thank God for a Whopper with cheese, no onion, no tomato. It's a great day, and onion rings, and I thank God for it. In fact, I liked it so much that in my junior and senior year of high school, I actually worked at Burger King. Wow. <clears throat> that's not meant to be funny. I worked at Burger King. That's a statement. That's not a joke. That's not, that's a statement. Now, I know we've got a lot of people in here who work at, you know, Chick-fil-A, which is... I get it. It's all Christian. They're closed today. Okay, we get it. We get it. Okay. It's fast food. Don't lie to yourself. It's fast food. But I, I did. I worked in, at Burger King, and, and I would get my rust orange colored 1979 Ford Granada, and I would drive down to the Burger King across from the truck stop in South Canton. Don't be jealous. Yeah, some of you know what a Ford Granada is. In 1994, it wasn't cool then either. (laughs) But Burger King had a slogan then, have it your way, right away. At Burger King now. Today, about five years ago, they decided to tweak the logo or tweak the slogan a little bit. And today it's not have it your way, it's be your way. Doesn't that capture the spirit of our age? Be your way. See, I think. Humanity has that propensity, uh, that, that idea 
to live by the philosophy of be your way. We use that saying, my way or the highway. What a great parent line. <laughs> it's powerful. My way or the highway. I'd like to suggest today that my way is a faulty narrative. It is a rickety platform. It is shifting sand. My way is unstable. My way is untenable. It's weak. My way is unsustainable. When we consider Adam and Eve, the first humans created, we find that they went their way. God had created a beautiful place for them to live. He had given, given them everything that they needed. His only request was that they not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. But we find in Genesis chapter 3, after this command had went forth in Genesis chapter 2, Satan entering the picture, disguised as a serpent, he begins a conversation with Eve. And he says in chapter 3 verse 1, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Isn't it interesting? The conversation begins with a question. And so when the Bible says in verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The tree was good for food, pleasant to the eye, could make them wise. What came from the earth was good for food, pleasant to the eye, and could make them wise. I understand the good for food. That's pretty easy. I understand the pleasant to the eye. You look at a tree and it's beautiful. You look at a tree and it's fruit and you go, that makes sense. But what is tragic is that they thought earth could make them wise. Earth could make them Wise, And so they decided that they would look for wisdom in the earth. And their deceived desires caused them to eat the fruit, and therefore they became separated from sin. Aren't you glad for the leaves? The Bible says, right here is good. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, so much so that the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made 
themselves coverings. They had become the creator. Earthly wisdom produced coverings made of earth. We are foolish to believe that this earth will produce wisdom. Wisdom has never been a byproduct of earth. Wisdom is a byproduct of heaven. Daniel said this. He said, blessed be the name of our God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. Wisdom comes from heaven. And when we live according to my way, my way will seek to produce something in myself that should have come from God. From the beginning, God had a way. Even though Adam and Eve pursued their own way, God had a way. He had provided for them a garden. Can I tell somebody today, hear me, love has a way. God has a way. And humanity was invited to love God. Humanity was created to love God. But in order to love someone, there must be an opportunity for choice. If there is no choice... There is no love. So God gave Adam and Eve a choice, but God also gave them a way, a clear path to life everlasting. And so they chose to go their way, and it produced what their way and my way produces every time. It produced sin. Sin is simply something we do that distances ourselves from the Creator. That's why when they sin, they hid themselves. Because that's the byproduct of sin. It moves you away from God. And so God asked the question to them, where are you? Because they had distanced themselves from God. And he said that the consequence of sin is what? Death. And I would propose today that death is not just the judgment of God for sin. Death is not just the wrath of God for sin. But death is simply the consequence of sin. Death is simply the end result of sin. Why? Because it is impossible to distance yourself from God and live. Because God is love and God is light and God is life. 
He breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul as we heard last week. And so when sin distanced themselves from God, they were distancing themselves from the breath of God, the presence of God that brings life. Death was the reality of a life lived away from God. God is the sustainer of life. That's why Paul would write in Romans 4, the wages of sin is death. It's not just the wrath of God that is death. It's simply the payment. Here's the payout for a life lived in sin. It is death. Because it's away, it pulls you away from the creator of life. That's why the Apostle Paul would tell those philosophers on Mars Hill, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. To these people who had found wisdom on earth, Paul was trying to help them understand that wisdom does not come from earth. Wisdom comes from above. That's why James would write to us. James chapter 3, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him, let him show by good conduct, conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom produces good conduct. Wisdom is birthed out of humility and surrender. Pride cannot produce wisdom. It's out of meekness that wisdom is produced. So James would say, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, don't lie to yourself that you're wise if you're self-seeking. He said this wisdom, this self-seeking wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, it is sensual, it is demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Right. Earthly wisdom is envious. Right. Earthly wisdom is envious and self-seeking. Right. Doesn't that ever describe our social media, internet connected, anything goes world? Right. That's what my way produces. It produces envy and self-seeking. And he says, this wisdom is earthly. It comes from earth. It's sensual. It's demonic. There is more envy in the world today than ever before. Our way for centuries does not produce less envy. It does not produce less evil. There's more people killed today, murdered today, more suicides today, 
more hate today than ever before. Don't ever think that my way is ever going to produce anything but envy and self-seeking attitudes. And self-seeking and envy always produces what? Confusion. There's more confusion today than ever before. As much as we know about life and science and all this, there's more confusion than any other time. Why? Because envy and self-seeking attitudes always produce confusion and every evil thing. People are trying to figure out who they are, who is who, and what is what. But the wisdom... That is from above. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. I come back to the statement I said, my way is a rickety platform. My way is shifting sand. My way is unstable. It's untenable. It's unsustainable. My way is an altered reality. It's born of earth. What has all this earthly wisdom given us? An altered reality. Coats of leaves. Earthly clothing. Something that came from the ground. So we have apps that make us Look younger. Because we all believe that on social media. We have apps that make us look older. Dear God, why? That doesn't even make sense. But man, we loved it. Why? It's an altered reality. And I'm not preaching against that, but... We have more today. What's the buzzword in politics? Fake news. We have the college entrance scandal. Altered reality. Instagram influencers who go on fake hiking trips until their sibling rats them out and shows them that they're really in the backyard taking pictures. We have influencers who go on fake trips to Hawaii and get ratted out. We have videos that make people seem like they're saying things, politicians and celebrities saying things, but it's not really them. We have a, a FaceTime app. Now, it's, I'm apostolic, so just want you to know. But the FaceTime app, they're working on it if it's not already, where it's, gonna, it's going to fake your eye contact. You're welcome. It's going to make people think like you're paying attention to them when you don't have to. Isn't that beautiful? It's the alt- altered reality. Why all the fakeness? We won't get into all the other areas of fakeness in our world and life. Why all the fakeness? Because fake is the desire of humanity to create. Fake is man's desire to be wise. But man's creation is not producing love. Because pride cannot produce love. Love. 
In fact, I would argue there's more hate and division in the world today than ever before. And when we live our way, we live in a deceived state. A deception has always been the plan of the enemy. What was the question Satan asked Eve in Genesis 3? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Are are you sure about that? Because the enemy is obsessed with making sure that you are confused about the word of God. The enemy is obsessed with you being confused about the word of God and what God wants for your life. The enemy wants you to doubt the word. The enemy doesn't want you to trust what the Bible says. Well, it's not relevant. It doesn't really apply. It meant something else. Confusion, deception. And that's why Paul would write to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self Control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, always learning. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, they found their truth. Their truth is shifting sand. But they've never been able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And in a culture that sells me on the idea of living my truth. I propose we don't need my truth, we need God's truth. When we live our way, we live as pretenders of God's creation rather than its actual creation. Paul would tell the Roman church, he said, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. We continue though in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he tells them never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Drop down to verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Fake, 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 fake. Fake, deceived. What is the truth? Is that story real? Fact check it. I don't know. Who's the fact checker? Who's behind all the fact checking? What's truth? What's real? Are they really there? Are they not there? Did they really say it? I don't know. Did they not say it? A world of confusion. Imposters. Growing worse and worse, 
deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to what? Make you wise for salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has a way. He gave us the way. But Jesus would call out those who would be pretenders. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It means pretender, actor. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, for you are like whitewashed tombs which appear, indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. See, while our society, culture, and our own hearts are consumed with our way and our truth and our life that leads to death, God said that I have a way, I have a truth, and I have a life. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. That's why we read it in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The problem is people try to hybrid their way with God's way. They try to mix the two. They try to blend the two. I'm going to do it my way, but I'll, I'll try to incorporate some of God's ways into my life. I'll do it my way to a certain point, and and then I'll invite God into a certain point, or I'll invite God into a certain point, but then after that, I can take over. I've got this from here, God. Thank you. I I know the Bible talks about certain things, but that's different. That's different. I'm going to do it my way. See, I, I can believe the lies of the enemy. I can believe and live like I know best. I can believe the lies of culture. I can believe the lies even of my own heart. Don't ever be deceived that what you feel is the right thing. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's why it's so dangerous to live your life according to how you feel. I can believe and live like I know best, that my feelings, my thoughts are best. Or I can believe and live according to the one who knows me best and loves me most. And I want to tell you today, I want to tell somebody today that you can trust God's way. 
Yeah, the enemy is going to spend your lifetime trying to confuse you about what God's word really says and what it really means. But I'm encouraging somebody today, trust him. Trust his word. Trust his plan of salvation. Trust his love. Trust his instruction. Trust his doctrine. Because he really does know best. And he really does love us the most. Romans chapter 12, as I come to a close. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We must not be conformed, shaped by this world's thinking. We must not be conformed to this world's ideology. We must not be conformed to this world's ways. We need transformed. We need born again. We need a renewed mind. Again, that's why I'm not going to put all my weight on my own thoughts and my own ways, my own feelings. What does the scripture tell us? For his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher. They're heavenly. They're not of this earth. And we need our minds renewed by the power of the Spirit. We must be a living sacrifice, the Scripture says. What we used to do in the world, we don't do anymore. How we used to think in the world, we don't think like anymore. Where we used to go when we were in the world, we don't go anymore. What we realize is when our thoughts contradict God's word, we simply need a renewed mind. That's all. Doesn't mean that you're not spiritual. It just means you're human. We have thoughts that contradict God's word. We have actions that contradict God's word. We need a renewed mind. When our speech contradicts God's word, we need a renewed mind. We are to be a living Sacrifice. But how does this happen? You see, when Adam and Eve made those coverings of leaves from their now earthly deceived wisdom, they thought they would put together something that would cover them. They were wise. And they sinned, they distanced themselves from God so much that God said, where are you? Again, that wasn't a a question of judgment as much as it was God letting them know he desired relationship with them. But God said, even though you've distanced yourself from me, and even even though you've tried to live out your own wisdom, he said, I've got a way. 
I've got a way. And it's coming through the blood of an animal. I've got a way to cover you, to cover your earthly wisdom, to cover your earthly way. I've got a way. Because what we realize is God covers this sin. He covers this wisdom. He doesn't rip it away. He covers it. But what does he cover it with? The sacrifice of an animal. It was the first time that blood was spilled after creation. And when you see something happen for the first time in scripture, you take special note of it. It's known as the law of first mention. And the first time blood was spilled, it was spilled for humanity. And it was spilled for covering. And what we understand is this is a picture for humanity to know that God was not content to leave humanity in a perpetual state of sin. But God would provide something that would cover up our attempts at being wise. And so Jesus Christ would come into the world as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Why? So he could cover our sin. He could cover our earthly wisdom and give us a a wisdom from above. And so Paul would tell that church in Rome, he would say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. There's a new way to live. See, Paul would tell the church in Galatians, he would say, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that is why Paul would tell us in Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I have to confess, I've read that passage so many times I cannot count. I've known it as a child, but something this week jumped off the page to me when I read it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. I do not live as a living sacrifice. I do not live holy and acceptable to God in any other way, but by the mercy of God. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that I could be holy. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that I could be righteous. I have no righteousness in myself, but it's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. And you may be here today without hope. You might be separated from God because you put on earthly wisdom. That's okay. I'm not worried about that today because there's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world that can cover up every sin, every situation, everything that you've done to distance yourself from God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I was separated from God. I was broken. You can stand with me. I was without hope. 
And my way, guess what my way is bringing? And you know it. You know it. Your way and my way has brought nothing but bitterness. It's brought anger. It's brought unforgiveness. It's brought resentment. It's brought jealousy and pride and lust and grudges and hatred. That's what we get when we have and live our own way. But God said, I have another way. Tell somebody next to you, say, God has a way. God has a way. God has a way through mercy to give you love. God has a way through mercy to bring joy back into your life. God has a way through his mercy to bring peace and long suffering and gentleness to your life. God has a way through mercy to bring forgiveness into your life and hope and restoration and healing. I beseech you therefore, brethren, I appeal to you, the Calvary Church, only by the mercy of God. I am not up here today appealing to you to live holy and righteous and to live distance yourself from the, the world by your own strength or by your own wisdom. You need the mercy. I need the mercy of God. I need the cross to be able to live how he wants me to live. And why is that so powerful? Because when I go God's way, he offers me true love it's not a manufactured love it's not a love that that has stipulations to it it's a love that says my mercy endures forever i was telling somebody the other day i've mentioned this before that jesus christ would not ask of us something he himself was not willing to do None of us have died on the cross for anybody else in this room. Jesus would not make a statement in the New Testament or in the Gospels that he himself was not willing to do. And when the, the, the disciples asked him, how often should I forgive? He said, not seven times a day, not seven times a week, but seven times 70 a day. That's unfathomable love. And if Jesus told us to do that, to forgive people that many times a day... I have to forgive Kristen maybe five, ten times a day. She has to forgive me 50 or 60 times a day. Jesus said it. I believe it, and that settles it. But Jesus wouldn't tell us to do that if he wasn't willing to do it. What does the enemy do? enemy confuses you about the word of God. The enemy confuses you about how much God really loves you. He loves you more than you know. And so that's why Paul would say that you present your bodies. By the mercies of God, present your bodies. By the mercy of God, be not conformed to this world. By the mercy of God, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you realize what Christ did for you, you can be transformed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So today, we all have an opportunity in this room. Do we live our way? Do we live it our way and do our own thing? Or are we going to really surrender? To God's way. Would we really surrender 
our entire lives to this book? Would we really do it? God's saying it's the best way. You can try to produce some wisdom on your own and from the ground. You can produce some things that look right. But at the end of the day, they're wood and stubble. And hey, they're going to burn away. But today, God's way is available to you and I because of his mercy and his love for you. Some of you have not experienced the, the love that God brings through salvation. You've never repented of your sins. You've never turned from your sin. And walk towards God and say, God, I'm going to make you my Lord and Savior. Today's a great day to say, God, I'm surrendering everything to you. If you've never put on Christ through the waters of baptism, you've never had the name of Jesus Christ called over you in the waters of baptism, as the scripture tells us, today's a great day to be baptized. If you've never been given the gift of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, what is that? That's the power of God. That's the direction of God, the comfort of God in your life to empower you to do what God wants you to do. If you've never had that experience today, you can have that experience. Maybe you're here today and you've got some decisions in your life that you're making. You've got some situations in your life. Maybe it's with friends and family or whatever it might be. I wonder if you had come to this altar when I opened this up and you'd say, God, I'm going to let it be your way and not my way. I'm going to surrender my life to your way and your process. There is some great potential that sits in this room today. There's some amazing ministries that sit in this room today. Potential gifted people. But you sit in a land of limbo because you're trying to live this hybrid way with God. It's partial submission. It's partial submission to the word of God. It's partial submission, which is no submission at all. It just causes us to feel like we're submitted to the word of God. And God's inviting you, saying, would you surrender all? Would you walk completely my way? I know it seems like the long way around. I I get that it doesn't look quite as convenient as this hybrid version or my own version. But I'm telling you today that God's way is always better. Always better. Before I invite you to come, I feel the touch of the Lord in this place. Before I invite you to come, I want you to bow your head with me. We're going to pray. Lord, in this moment, God, you know those in this room, Lord, who need to turn their life to the Lord. God, they are hungry for you. They're hungry, God, for something more. They're hungry, God, for your presence and your power in a way. But they're unsure completely how to surrender all to you because the enemy has confused them. The enemy's lied to them about what it takes to live for you. They're not sure they can give up, Lord. They are not sure if they surrender all what that means. They're not sure if they're able to live out exactly what you're asking of them. But Lord, I'm praying today there would be a confidence in you that we don't live out any way that's good. We don't have good conduct come out of our life apart from your mercy. 
apart from your forgiveness and your touch in our life. God, none of us have righteousness on our own, but it's through you. I'm praying for those who have a desire to be baptized and those who have a desire to receive your spirit. I pray today there would be an absolute surrender to whatever you want for their life, Lord. And I believe today that you will baptize them with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with circumstances in their life. They're wrestling with things, decisions. I pray they would find comfort in your word today that if they will trust you, if they will put their plans in your hands, In fact, Lord, they might even need to burn up their own plans and just ask you what the plan should be. I pray, oh God, that you would lead and you would guide in this room today. I pray for ministries to be unearthed like a well that's been covered in with dirt. I pray, oh God, that you would open up those wells, Lord, and let water flow as we surrender everything to you in the name of Jesus. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.